Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. This is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Your Colorado Avalanche are now 40-32 and 32 after going 1-3 and three last week. They currently sit in 10th place out west with 86 points. Just two games next week, four left in the season. They play Wednesday, March 28th at Vancouver, and then Friday, March 30th, they travel to another lovely part of Canada, Calgary, for a battle with the Flames. OMG. Your Denver Nuggets are now 27-23 and 23 after going 2-2 two and two last week. Currently sit in ninth place out west with just 16 games left in this wacky 66-game season. Fantastic. Three games this week, all on the road. Wednesday, March 28th, like the Avalanche, they're in Canada, but they're in Toronto. Friday, March 30th, they'll be in Charlotte to face Michael Jordan's Bobcats. And Sunday, April 1st. They will be in Tallahassee. No, that's just April Fools are going to be in Orlando. That's hilarious, isn't it? Good one. And your Denver Broncos have signed tight end Joel Dressen and backup quarterback Caleb Haney, both former Colorado State Rams. (laughs) That is your Colorado Sports Weekend Review. Ross Martin, let's start the show. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. This is episode number 34. As always, from Denver Stiffs, Nate Timmons is here. Everybody out there in internet land, I hope you're doing well on this suddenly dark Tuesday evening. Ross Martin, how you doing over there? My co-host, my producer, my everything. <laughs> oh, that was nice. I, I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing great. And... uh I want to remind everybody to uh, find us on Twitter at COLO Sports Guys. Like us on Facebook. Email us, show at ColoradoSportsGuys.com. And leave us a voicemail. This has become a new uh, thing, right? Like people are leaving several every week, which is cool. That number is 720-722-1274. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. It's very clear that people try to call in during the times that we say we're recording. Yet, we have a kind of a fluid schedule, if you know what I mean, right? Like, uh, it's, what, past eight, and we're just getting going here, and I think we had said earlier that we do, oh, you know, six to nine. That's what we do it, but things come up. Doing it and doing it and doing it well. <laughs> Thanks, LL. So, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, our little visit to Denver Sports Station 102.3 ESPN. Yeah. This uh, Sunday um, to uh, sit in on the Denver Sports Nation show where uh, D in Denver, a.k.a. Dario and Adam Kinney um, do an afternoon show there from one to four on Sundays. Fantastic. A lot of fun. It was cool to see the studios. Um, and then uh, we're also going to talk about the Nuggets, right? Nuggets uh, are losing to bad teams, beating good teams. Nobody knows what's going on. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Broncos uh, signed some free agents. Avalanche. Are in the playoff hunt or not? I don't know. Uh, people are uh, doomsday about it. I don't know. I see that they're out of it, but then I hear they're not. 
I don't know. And, of course, today we're going to do a top five list. Top five punishments for college coaches who do not fulfill their contracts, which is um, the longest title of a top five list we've ever had. But probably the best. Top five punishments for college coaches who do not fulfill their contracts. Wow. What are we going to do about them? But before we get into all that, Nate Timmons. What's up with you, man? How you doing, buddy? It's been a while since we actually caught up on the show. What's up with you? I am dying to go see the Hunger Games movie. <laughs> can you believe it? Of course I can. I read the books. Everybody read, can believe uh, that. I read all three. They weren't just picture books, so that was very useful for me. I actually got my practice in with reading. <laughs> um, and then the movies came out this past weekend. I read my, my oldest sister, Amanda, purchased all the books. She read them, handed them down. This was like old school hand-me-downs, <laughs> like when we were kids, except I never got anything because I told her sisters. And what were they going to give me that I could use? Nothing. <laughs> Dolls. There, was, there must have been a big gap in your reading, right? So it probably started out early with you with like Super Fudge and, and Fudge and then like Beverly Cleary, like, you know, Dear God, It's Me, Margaret, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, boom, fast forward. I don't know, 20 years, and uh, it's your, the eve of your 30th birthday, and you're polishing up the Hunger Games trio. Uh, also, yeah. hand me down from your sister. It was. Amanda purchased them, uh, read all three, handed them off to Tess. Tess blew through three of them. She hands them off to me. I take my sweet time. I get through them. Are you uh, saying you're a slow reader? Yeah, I'm a really slow reader. I read like every word carefully. Like I'm, I'm starting to try to like blow through paragraphs a little bit better where, you know, if they're just going into detail, like just skim it a little bit, but I read and then I like think about it for a while. I don't know. Maybe I have a guy. question. Do you like point at every word as no. you read it? No. Oh, okay. I actually have a, like a tiny bouncing ball that I kind of move over the words. If you know, if you remember those. Yeah. Like karaoke or something. Yeah. But then with these books, then I get done with them. I have two and three. Uh, one I gave back to my sister. She lent it to God knows where. And then my, my mom goes out. A 12-year-old? Uh, what's the target audience? About 13? Probably 13, 13 14-year-old. Yeah. 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 Five, too gruesome. So then my, my mom goes out, buys the first one, and she is now reading The Hunger Games as well. But I was going to go see the movie this weekend. My sister took herself uh, with her friend to Miami, so she was uh, out of pocket over the weekend. So I'm trying to wait. Uh, we're coordinating via text message on when we can all go. We're looking at Friday, but now it looks like – uh, my sister Amanda is going to be unavailable that night, so I don't know when I'm going to see it, and I'm, it's killing me, man. It's killing me. Is there a reason why you just don't uh, go catch it by yourself? Yeah, you have, we read a pack. We kind of read these things together, and we oh. do. Have, we not. We have a blood pact. We're family. They're my sisters, man. Come on. So at some point we will uh, we will get together to see the Hunger Games and I will be happy. I don't know who I'm going to dress up as yet, but I'm going to pick out a character. Maybe one of our lucky listeners out there can uh, tweet us, send us an email, a voicemail, and let me know who I should dress up as to go see the Hunger Games. That's a really good. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. I got. I mean, I can dye my skin like they do in the books. I got wigs. I'll tattoo my face. Whatever. It's like it is a Colorado sports podcast it seems natural if we want to increase listener interaction that uh, we start throwing out ideas about <laughs> preteen movies yeah. i'm also a huge fan of uh, boxing and mma <laughs> you 
<laughs> if I haven't mentioned that. It had a steak over the weekend as well. Rare. <laughs> actually just tackled a cow in a field and ate that with my face. You're clearly, clearly comfortable with yourself. That's the most important thing. Of course. Yes. And as an avid reader, as I have been for my whole life, I just think it's good that people are reading. Yeah, I love to read. And I'm not – People uh, will read again. But you're one of those weird readers. You have the uh, the Kindle, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So you uh, and the Colorado Sports Wife are Kindlers where I'm still uh, – I still got to have that book in my hand. I love it. Yeah, that's true. I'm old school. Yeah. I hear that. I was yeah. the same way. I was the same way. Then I got one, and it's pretty awesome. I bet it is pretty sweet. And there's no glare, but anyway, I've, I've been uh, reading, which I just uh, talked about. With those books finished up. I'm looking for a new book, and uh, in the meantime, I am uh, killing podcast episodes of all my favorite podcasts out there. Nice. So, what do you like? Uh, what do you listen to on a weekly basis? I uh, listen to. It's been a while since we've talked about podcasts. I've been listening to the one you introduced me to, This American Life. Very interesting, ah, good podcast. Yes. Uh, different format, pretty strange, but very cool. I listen to the Joe Rogan experience for all my crazy hippie news. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to a little bit of uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. I listen to an NBA hang time podcast. Uh, and I listen to our, our friends over at the, uh, the Colorado South Standers. South oh, the Stands South Denver Fancast. Yes. Listen to them uh, as well. That's a good one. Yeah. I enjoy their, uh, Crazy takes and, of course, Colin Daniels jokes. Colin Daniels is funny. And uh, it's funny. uh, We we had mentioned that we were over at uh, Denver Sports Station 102.3 ESPN. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also, listen to uh, to D on the – Yeah. D in Denver has a good podcast. I don't know what to call that anymore. I don't know if I should call it a podcast or if I'm just listening to the radio show. I guess he's still doing both, so I got to listen to both. Yeah, absolutely. But it was funny. You know, we were listening to that, and we kept hearing Colin on all the commercials. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. wow, listen to this. Podcasting is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. People might think it's some weird little public access ham radio thing. But based on the number of people we get listening every week, you know, I, I, this is a real thing. And we're getting a lot. And uh, we're getting a lot more and more every week. And that's the crazy thing is that week to week, it grows. And it's funny, too, because it, I, I just am kind of – I don't know if I'm amazed by all the people out of state, out of country that listen to the shows and that write us. And it's just like, really? Like people are like all over the world to listen to this thing. Yeah. Part of the analytics breakdown we get when we see how many downloads there are, there's countries and it's insane. We have listeners representing every single continent, some 48 countries. I remember. It's uh, insane. I like looking at. I know on Denver Stiffs on analytics, we don't have it here, but we do get that breakdown. But we have the actual world map, and it shows us little red dots of where IP addresses are coming in. And I remember like one of the first times looking at that and just being amazed by you know, what can be reached through the Internet. You know, Yes, absolutely. It's very cool. And we're loving it, and uh, you guys are loving it too. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep doing it as long as you guys are listening or not, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep, keep going. Doing yeah, it. it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> What's new with you, man? I know uh, I know Carlisle Sports Wife is a Hunger Games fan, but I know you said you didn't see the movie yet. She hasn't pulled you to it. So what's what's been going on in your world? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, good segue there. Um, 
No, I haven't seen the Hunger Games. <laughs> I'm probably not going to. Stop it. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, invite the Colorado sports wife with you to go to with the it. group. Yes, that would yeah. be fine. Um, but I did see a movie that this weekend. would be weekend. like four girls and myself. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people think you're uh, – people will know that you got it figured out. Um, but uh, um, I did watch a movie Good. over the weekend. Good, man. Good for you. A sports movie. Ah, even better. Even yes. better. And this is a movie that uh, I have been excited to see. And there hasn't been a movie like this, really, ever made. Uh, really? Sure, there's a lot of uh, sports dramas. But never one, I, as far as I know, that has been focused on MMA. Ah. I caught the fighter. Yeah, I saw that in theaters, man. Yeah, and I think we had talked about that before. And uh, I like MMA to a point. I know when we first started the podcast, there was a lot of MMA talk because of all the hype and interest surrounding the John Bones Jones fight being here in Denver. Right? That was in Yeah, Denver. I was there, yeah, man. At the Pepsi Center, yeah. UFC 135. Yeah, UFC, bro! And, uh, and uh, so Whoa. I... Whoa. <laughs> I watched it, the movie, and I thought it was, um, like, a completely average movie. Not great. Uh, it was interesting because the I found the entire... Were... I, I, what? I was going to say, what did you think of the fight scenes? I thought they were pretty good. I mean, I thought that they were... Uh, I kept hearing about how realistic they were as opposed to I thought it... fights in previous boxing movies. Like, Rocky's always used as an explanation of how absolutely... Um, fake it is and how no fight is ever like that and how, oh, my God, if somebody punched somebody like that with their arm all splayed out and, and like, that's not a real boxing match. And, and, uh, and okay, true. I, I, I understand that. I think Rocky and a couple of those Rocky movies are excellent despite the fact that the realism isn't there. But the fact that so many people were saying that the fighter, the fighter with uh, Tom Hardy, yeah, and the other guy, and uh, yeah, the other guy. <laughs> and, uh, Love that oh, other guy. God. The guy from Nick Nolte was great. I mean, he was basically playing himself. <laughs> right? I, I thought the. I, Go ahead. No, well, no, but I mean, go ahead. What did you think about the fight? I was gonna say I thought the fight scenes were like I don't know, confusing, and they almost like made me throw up because they were kind of like helicoptering around. It seemed like ah, like you get all okay. these weird different angles, and I'm okay. like, oh, this is making me sick. I honestly thought you were going to say something along the lines of how realistic they were as compared to watching an actual MMA fight. Um, and I thought they absolutely were not realistic. Yeah, the, thought, the striking it, striking was not very realistic. I thought it was just like watching Rocky. And I'm not saying I don't like Rocky, but I just didn't like how people were saying how realistic the fighting was. And, uh, it, I mean, it certainly wasn't. Nobody gets beat up, uh, you know, like they get beat up. Most fights... Are just like that. I mean, they're done, and, and and I'm not saying that's not exciting. It certainly can be. But the other thing was, and this is a, my main comment about this movie, and I know I'm trashing it right now, and I'm saying, okay, I, you know, I haven't talked about the storyline, how predictable it is, and how you can see from the very beginning what's going to happen at the very end <laughs> and how exactly right it was. But I will say this. The end of that movie, and if you haven't seen it, stick through it. Go watch this movie. Um, stick with it. The end of this movie is absolutely one of the greatest endings of any movie I've ever seen. I literally uh, nearly shed a tear. 
I did get goosebumps for sure. I loved the ending of this movie, despite the fact that the first two hours, by the way, this is over a two hour movie. The first two hours were kind of hard to get through a little bit boring, a little bit, a little bit kind of like uh, predictable, predictable and following the exact, like, uh, you know, just the exact same uh, path that any movie like this would fall. But I'll tell you the end of this movie. It was fantastic. I loved it. And uh, so, yeah. What'd you say the title was again? Warrior, right? Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, I, the other day, I, or not the other day, probably two months ago or something, I was uh, going through the DVR. Um, my girlfriend had actually recorded a documentary about the Rocky series for me. Yeah, okay. And I was like, this is going to be, you know, what is this going to be about? And it ended up being, like, really good. And they had kind of explained and showed how uh, Rocky One was, like, the first time that they actually showed fight action in the ring. Like, cause they were showing clips from like older boxing movies and it was just like, you'd see the one guy kind of from like the Mike Tyson boxing angle and you kind of see his like hands and then they'd punch and then uh-huh. it'd show like just the guy's face and it would kind of be like getting thrown back, you know? And that and wasn't, was, that wasn't uh raging bull. The first one that did the no, raging bull is a period in. piece that was after it Rocky wasn't? was made. I believe, I think raging bull was made in the eighties and Rocky was in the late seventies. Interesting. I think. But, yeah, it was, like, the first time that they showed, like, full action. And they took boxing classes and all sorts of stuff to try to get, like, real. And they actually, as the Rocky series progressed, got more real to where Sylvester Stallone was gotten, getting injured. I think he blew his uh, Achilles tendon in Rocky Balboa. Achilles! <laughs> but it was that pretty was cool. his wife's name, right? Achilles? Achilles, yeah. Yeah, she was uh, Achilles! leader of some sort of old <laughs> troops, but... And then they, I didn't know they invented the, uh, the, the still camera, like where you could run with the camera and it would be still, you know, how they filmed Rocky running through the street and up the stairs and all that stuff. Yeah. That was like this new technology where the cameraman actually had the camera with him. And What's could the name of this documentary? It. Do you remember? No, I don't know. Oh, no. I'll have to look it up, but it was awesome. Worthless story. Worthless story. <laughs> but it just reminded me where you were saying the fight scenes in Rocky were unrealistic. I was like, well, before that, how bad they used to be, like how far they've come. You know, maybe they're a little bit better. I've even yeah. heard from professionals that the fighting and like the fighter with Mark Wahlberg was horrific. That they're like, oh. that, that's terrible and it was very bad. But that's like real people that are real technical about it. Like for me, I don't really care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, they have to change some of it. I mean, if, if they took an actual fight from MMA or boxing and like, but made it exactly like it would be so boring. Yeah. You got to, because they are boring and, it's true. They are just like kind of boring and they're quick and it happens very fast. Yeah. So that's what you've learned today, folks. Go see the Hunger Games. Go see Warrior. <laughs> you can watch Hunger Games in theaters. You can catch the Warrior at home. Hopefully, maybe via Redbox, Netflix, <laughs> buy it off of Amazon.com, whatever you got to do. <laughs> and that has become, uh, that is the Color Sports Guys uh, film segment. That's the film segment right there. But there was one sports movie in there. And I don't know, Hunger Games could be kind of a sports movie. It's hunting people. No, people it's hunting not. People. It's not. It's not a, it's not a sports people movie. People hunting people. It's not a sports movie. That's the most um, dangerous sport. I did bring up uh, a sports movie. I know uh, we had uh, Jeremy emailing us about how we don't talk about sports. And uh, I just want to say, for the record, Jeremy, I may have been talking about movies, but it was a sports movie. Sports movie. At least I wasn't talking about Harry Potter. Like people hunting people, here. the most dangerous sport. All right. Denver Sports Station 102.3 ESPN. Let's talk about that. 
We yeah. went over. Uh, we met uh, Dario and Adam Kinney, who are hosting Denver Sports Nation. This is a show locally in Denver on 102.3 from 1 to 4 on Sundays. And uh, that show's called Denver Sports Nation. Um, and I got to say, that was a lot of fun going over there, checking out the studio. And uh, I thought you did a great job breaking down the nuggets. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was very cool to go and sit down with a couple of guys that are very good at doing what they do. But knowing that they came from podcast uh, kind of made it a little bit cooler. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not that many people out there that go from podcast to radio. Most people go from radio to podcast. They additionally have a podcast, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was a lot of fun. That was cool, and they did a great job. And they, and I've been listening to their podcast for a long time, and I don't know many people who are doing a daily podcast like they had done up until recently. So uh, what did you think? I mean, you had a good time on there talking nuggets. Yeah, and especially like their, their podcast, you know, like they were doing – like five nights a week, like live. I did their podcast uh, just a couple weeks ago after uh, Nuggets Trailblazers game, I believe. Yeah. And I remember I, I had to write for that game, and I was like, you know, did their show, and I was just thinking how cool it was. Like, wow, we just did that live right after the game. Like, it doesn't get much better than that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was very cool. So, yeah. And you did a great job on that one, too. And uh, Dario uh, was like, uh, you know, he's basically the host of the show. This is his uh, his baby project yeah. and uh and he and adam played off well on each other and it was just a lot of fun to go over there and sit in that studio and uh it's really cool see. to see that there's just more like more local talk you know i mean you don't get enough i mean they are on 1023 espn which unfortunately did kick a lot of local talent off during the week for uh you know the mike and mike show colin cowherd as well but it's good to see you know like you said, just some local talk on Sunday afternoon. It's something where, I don't know, I'm always out driving somewhere. A lot of people driving home from the mountains, whatever. And for me, I just like to hear, I like to hear local sports talk. I liked, I liked the fact that we got to go down there and be in studio with them and see how the whole process works. But also just to kind of, I mean, we talked, I talked with them for close to an hour and a half after the show. We were just talking about sports, you know, it was awesome. And just seeing that whole, the whole process work and just, another outlet for people that are knowledgeable about sports and just for people like they had, I think four Collins for that hour where I was sitting there, you know, three people wanting to talk about the avalanche and there's, there's hunger for local talk. And well, there was a lot more people calling in. They only got to like four or five calls. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that was a cool thing is listening to how they run the phones. Right. Well, that's the fun thing too. Yeah. My headphones were sitting there getting the producer like, Hey, you got a call coming in. Oh, this call, you know, yeah. you got to take a break. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. So uh, we wanted to bring that up and talk about that because uh, we want to encourage everybody to uh, try and take a listen to that show. Uh, again, that's 1023. <laughs> I keep saying it. Denver Sports Station, 1023 ESPN. Because they kept saying it over and over again. And I never, <laughs> yeah. you know, I always hear that when I listen to the radio, but I don't realize how often they say that. I feel like you and I should start doing something like that, right? Like every uh, time we take a break, we'll just be like, Colorado Sports Guys on the internet. Dot com. Colorado Sports Guys Podcast dot com. Uh, Colorado, well, it's not Colorado Sports Guys. Colorado Sports Guys dot com. com. It's Colorado Sports Guys dot com. Podcast Sports Guys. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how about we just be like, Colorado Sports Guys dot com on internet. Point three. <laughs> yeah, check out their show. <laughs> Sundays from one to four. Uh, D had some good points that he brought up with. Uh, 
hometown guys or just fan favorites of teams not finishing their careers in Denver. I remember he brought up a sore subject of Clinton Portis. That was a good topic. Uh, that that kind of was like, oh, damn, we should have done that as a top five. Yeah, I was thinking um, that too. But then also, we want to say follow Dario uh, at DN Denver, DN Denver, and follow Adam Kinney at DSN Adam. So uh, give them a follow. And, uh, and these guys, they're fantastic. These guys are real professionals. So, Colorado sports fans themselves giving you a good take and uh, love the fact that they are both Nuggets fans and they both like Kenneth Fareed. Boom. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it was funny watching that game as they were getting destroyed. Yeah, that's the other thing that they had in the studio was about a, what, a 55-inch TV on the wall? Yeah, you know, 55, 42, I couldn't tell. Yeah, one uh, of the (laughs) Anyway, we were watching that Nuggets game, which is perfect because let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Denver Nuggets getting – Beat by teams like the Timberwolves and beating teams like the Bulls. And uh, we'll just do that right after this. Nate, what's the deal, man? Denver Stiffs guy, I know. You're you're uh, like probably the biggest sports blogger in the city. In the city. A lot of people respect what you have to say. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do people want to throw away the season after they lose on a Sunday to the T Wolves, then they beat the Bulls without the big? Was it Derrick Rose? Like who's the big yeah, guy? Yeah, no Derrick Rose for the Bulls. Yep. They lose to the Bulls, and then everybody's like, well, we're back. Yeah, save the season. Beat the Bulls, yeah, and everybody thinks that they're back. Uh, Why did team – this is my question before you get into it. Sure. Why do people want to see this team go to the playoffs and then lose first round in probably four games? Well, I don't know if you can uh, exactly say that's what's going to happen. I mean, it always depends on the matchup. That's what we've seen over the last eight years, right? Yeah, it always depends on the matchup. Yet it's always whatever team the Nuggets are matched up against, the Nuggets lose. Well, it seems like so it doesn't really matter much about the matchup. Nuggets have never had a favorable draw in a series until that one year we went to the Western Conference Finals. They played New Orleans, completely favorable matchup. They played uh, Dallas, which they beat up during the regular season that year. So what happened with, against New Orleans? They beat them. Okay. Yes. So what does that mean? Favorable matchup. Nuggets okay, so what does that series. mean, a favorable matchup? Is this these guys getting uh, well, if you look uh, at voted it, in? Is it Selection Sunday, and they're going into No, you just face and they, teams. They're hoping to get between a 1 and a 16 seed? No, it's 1 and 8, and... You got to hope you get a good draw in the first round. I mean, that's the way. If you face Oklahoma City in the first round, that's a tough draw. If they face, you know, Memphis, Memphis has played the Nuggets tough all season. They, their defense has been very difficult for Denver to score on. That's going to be a tough matchup. You look at San Antonio, maybe the Nuggets have a chance there because the Spurs don't have the bigs inside. They can rebound with the Nuggets. They can't really protect the paint that well, but they do shoot the ball very well. At any rate, are they looking at a one seed they have to play? Well, I don't know where they're going to fit. Right now, pretty much the four seed through the eight seed is up for grabs, so they could finish anywhere from fourth to eighth, depending on how the last 16 games Where go. do you think it's going to happen? Because the way I see it I is I think like, they're going to get seventh or eighth. I think that's what they're looking at. Yeah, I mean, eight, I'm thinking they're going to get eighth or ninth or tenth. No, I'm thinking sixth or sixth to eighth. I'm thinking sixth or seventh. You just said seventh or eighth. Now you're like, well, maybe sixth or seventh. Yeah, maybe sixth or seventh. Maybe fifth. <laughs> Hell, I don't know. Fourth. 
Who knows? It's such a tight race, ladies and gentlemen. That's the funny this thing. This is why you, it's so fun to watch the NBA. We just this never, is why it's so fun to watch the NBA. And you just <laughs> you never have any idea which Nuggets team is going to be out there playing. Is it going to be the team that goes out and handles the Bulls and is up by 10 points for most of the second half? Or is it going to be the team that comes out and gets smoked by the Timberwolves by 20-plus points the entire night? You know, I made a comment a couple of weeks ago about when the Nuggets used to play the Lakers late in the season – during a playoff race, there were times when the Nuggets would beat the Lakers. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, that's because they were just taking the night off. They're not they're not worried about it. They're not they could lose to the Nuggets in the end of March, on March twenty sixth, and they don't have to that doesn't mess up their rest of their season and it doesn't mess with their heads. So yeah. their teams are not preparing for the Nuggets because they don't care if they win or lose, especially a team like the Bulls. And so it's like Nuggets fans get all excited about that victory, and it's it's uh, it's bogus. It's like no, like honestly, guys, there's no reason. Well, they're fans, man. I mean, fans look for signs of a team turning things around. Like no, you watch fans, the Broncos, but fans look like for signs uh, to when everything's going down, like when they lost it to the Timberwolves on Sunday. There wasn't any like, oh, we're looking for signs of hope then, was there? Well, the funny thing about that, too, is so they play Minnesota on Sunday, and then they have to fly. And, and they get destroyed, destroyed on Sunday. So that's in Minnesota on Sunday night. Then they have to fly to Chicago or Minnesota Sunday afternoon. They have to fly to Chicago. There's no time for practice, no time to change anything. They play the Bulls, and they look completely different. So it's almost like like there's a lot of talk going on about how maybe – uh, the way that Nene was told he was going to be traded really rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. There's talks about maybe there are some meetings going on between management and the team to where stuff was explained to them. I don't know if it was like a mini revolt or just a mini slump or people's heads just weren't on straight I'll, for a I'll couple of years. I'll tell you games. what it is. is you got a bunch of young guys out there playing hoops, and they're like, oh, we're going to Minnesota. We're just Minneapolis. Yeah. What do I know about Minneapolis? So you think they and then they're like, oh, we're going to Chicago? Sweet. This is going to be awesome. This is a big city. Let's go down there and play, and let's have a good time, and let's uh, like actually work hard and actually play defense or whatever it is they did, which I don't even think they did play much defense. But what I'm saying is that's what it is. That's why you see that. And then it just so happened the Chicago Bulls weren't in a dire situation, so they basically let the Nuggets come in there, have a great, fun game, and play their street ball, and then get out of there. And the bottom line is that would never, ever – like if the if the Nuggets had to go to Chicago for, for four games during a seven-game series, that would never work. They would never beat the Bulls four games out of seven. Never say never, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, what you're, I know what you're getting at. I mean, definitely motivations of teams is, is something different. The Bulls, to me, though, they're not a team that ever takes a night off. They don't ever come out there and not give – an effort that their coach demands. Like that's a team that, you know, they, they, they're like 40 and 10 on the season or something like that so far. Like they don't, they don't take games off, but the nuggets did. I mean, it was a two point game at the half. The nuggets were down early in that game by like eight points or six points. Most of the first half came back, got the lead by two at the half and then came out in the second half and just ran over Chicago. I was expecting the nuggets to perhaps get run over because they played the night before in Minnesota. So I don't know and what that's it was. The thing is, there's this like a constant analysis about frequency of games, and that is like the constant excuse for the Nuggets team by you and by 
a lot of uh, other uh, by by Jeff and Andrew on your side. It's like, oh well, you know what? They did have four games in a row this week, and that's going to tire them off. This is one of the youngest <laughs> teams in the league, and I think what we're seeing here is not the fact that they're like overworked. Well, it's I mean, not it's about still being... only a sixty-six game season. What we're dealing with here is the second generation of that first generation was Carmelo. This is the second generation of guys that don't feel like they should have to work hard to become superstars. And there's going to be, it's going to be tough lessons for guys like uh, Wilson Chandler and, and, uh, that's the only guy that can come to my mind right now. Ty Lawson. <laughs> Ty Lawson. It's like these are the guys that you like that they're just thinking like, you know what? I'm getting paid a lot of money. I don't have to work that hard. I'm in Denver. Um nobody cares. George Carl is is uh a fair as they come as a coach. He's a easiest coach to work for. He's a He's a player's coach. He doesn't bust my balls at all. So I'll just go out there, and, and when I feel the need to play hard, then I'll play hard and we might win against a team like the Bulls. But if I'm going to Minneapolis and there's no spotlight on me, then forget it. I'm not on WGN. I'm not on ESPN. I'm just going to go out there and, you know, whatever, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what's going on, and that's why this team is, is not going to, like, if they make the playoffs, they're not going to get go anywhere in it. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it, I guess, for sure. I mean, you can look at it that way. I I also kind of think that it's probably not on those back-to-backs and whatnot. I don't think it's necessarily being physically tired as, as much as it is as being just mentally exhausted or mentally not knowing how to do it in the NBA. Yeah, and I that's know, because I know how much calculus they have to do after these games. Yeah, but that's why you see teams that are veteran teams you know, do well in the regular season and play well. You know, in the playoffs and here and there, it's just you have to learn. You have to have that mental ability to to be able to survive, like to be able to figure out how to win. I think has a lot to do with it. But I think in hoops, it doesn't really have that much to do with it. I mean, hoops is hoops. There's no uh, a 400 page playbook. It's just go out there and try hard, play good defense. Uh, you know, get back on defense, hustle. That's all it is. But you, you know. <laughs> I completely disagree. But I know you do. It's all right. But that's why you're the Nuggets apologist. Perhaps. Denver Nugget, denverstiffs.com forward slash Nuggets apologist. <laughs> love the Nuggets. Love I, I did too. But like how much, when does this love become, it's like, when should there be tough love? You know, it's like we can all, you know, hopefully, I don't know, raise kids at one point. When does just, you know, commending them on everything they ever do for their entire growing up and then when they become adults and they are not able to actually compete in the real world, when does that become a detriment? Yeah. And I don't think that at least myself, I'm not going to sit here when they're playing bad and say, you know, I'm not going to always give positives and I'm not going to say like an apologist. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not an apologist for the team. I do look at things with a glass half full approach because what's the point of being a negative fan? Like if you're just going to be negative about the whole situation and if you're not going to see the positives in it, why don't you go learn how to sew? Like, what are you doing watching games anyway? Like that's, you should go get a hobby or something. That's why I love you. So here's the deal. Glass half full coming up here. There's 16 games left. This is a crazy shortened 66 game season glass half full. What are we looking at here? In your opinion, not necessarily how many wins we get, but like what can the team do here to finish off the season strong and maybe make uh, maybe make uh, me look like a dour, pessimistic butthole? Well, the only good thing that we've really seen 
since JaVale McGee has come to town and Nene's been gone, is we've we've started to see George Carl actually use a center. Like after JaVale played his first game, the first game that he was with the team and active, he didn't play. But since then, George Carl has either had JaVale McGee on the floor or Timothy Mozgov on the floor for basically the entire game. It's either one or the other. He's had some very small stretches where he's gone to his asinine small ball. And I think that once we're, we're kind of starting to see a little bit of a regular rotation now, like you, I think, talked about it uh, on previous podcasts where as the season would wear on, wear on or towards the end of it, that Carl would start to tighten up his rotation and players would start to learn what their role was. And that's, I think, something that this team has been begging for all season is guys not knowing their place with the team and not knowing exactly how many minutes they're going to play and not knowing this or that. But now it's like they're starting to – get into a little bit of a mold, a little bit of a, a groove with knowing their role on the team. And if they can continue to to establish that for the next 16 games, I mean, I think they could easily still make the playoffs. It's going to be a very tight race. The Nuggets, with poor home court play this year and poor play against Western Conference teams, I believe they're under 500 against Western Conference teams on the season. They're not going to have like any tiebreakers. They're not going to have – so it could be a chance. I remember a few years ago – Golden State had something like 48 wins and they missed the playoffs due to tiebreakers. And the Nuggets, I believe, got in that season. So it could be one of those seasons where you see Denver with a tied and missing the playoffs. But I think they, they do have a chance to get in. They are very talented. They do play some pretty bad teams. If they get into the playoffs, I could see them beating certain teams. I could see them getting swept by certain teams. Which teams do you think they could beat? I can see the Nuggets taking out the Spurs. Let me look at the uh, standings here. I can see the Nuggets taking out the Spurs. They could beat the Clippers. Denver, uh, after that, right now, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. Then. Let me Oklahoma go back City was going to be tough as hell. The Lakers, like you can say the Lakers are starting to lose it, but Kobe Bryant in the playoffs is still Kobe Bryant. doesn't matter. Don't you see that like there's a systematic way that some of these teams that are competing year in and year out go about their season, and that's not how the Nuggets have ever done it. And let's be how long has George Carl been here? He's been here for years. Yeah, like seven seven years, and you've never once seen that type of calculation that that control over the long season. You always just see like this. Uh, lovable George Carl that people just seem to be supportive of, but like eventually you have to be like, why doesn't, why doesn't our team look like, uh, like that team? You know, why why doesn't George Carl's team look like uh, those other teams that are actually competing for a championship or even getting to the Western conference championships on it more than once. Have you seen the show right now? You can watch it on NBA.com. It's the association featuring the Denver Nuggets. And I have it, not seen it. It shows a lot of, you know, practice time and this and that. And, like, George Carl in practices and even during timeouts when he's talking to his team, like, he's really riding them. And it seems like he is telling them the right things. I, I still don't necessarily – I don't like his rotations still at all. I don't like his end-of-game lineups that often. But he does – I mean, he, him and the coaching staff have basically – been on hands and knees begging Ty Lawson to take a hold of this team. And you can really see when, I think if you look at the numbers since the All-Star break, any night that Ty Lawson has a good game, the Nuggets win. 
anytime Ty Lawson has a subpar or an average game, the Nuggets lose. It's basically Ty Lawson's team. Andrew Feinstein wrote about that today on Denver Stiffs as well. And it's something that we've you've been able to see all season. Whenever Ty Lawson plays well, the team does well. So it's on him really to take control of this team and make it his own. You know, some people want to point like Jeff Morton wants to point for Daniil Gallinari being the main cog for the Nuggets. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he definitely helps. He's definitely a great scorer. He can defend, pass the ball, whatever. He can do it all, but he's not the main catalyst for that team. It's Ty Lawson, for better or worse. So, I, you know, I see an issue with that just based on Ty Lawson's position, uh, his size, his inconsistency. I wouldn't – I wouldn't – if I had to pick a guy on this team – I wouldn't pick Ty Lawson to be the leader. I would probably pick a guy like Danilo Gallinari. But he's also a Euro. He's a six foot ten six, inch ten forward. Right? Euro, yeah. And it's like, well, how can a guy like that lead the team? Um, the guy that leads the team is the guy with the ball in his hands most often, right? I mean, you played basketball. Like your point guard is kind of your your general. Well, that's like people depending you know, on your that, offense. That maybe. that is that is one of those misconceptions about the game of basketball. I think, and I have played basketball, and people always want to put like uh, the the point guard into the same shoes as the quarterback. Yeah, Tim Duncan, obviously. But not that's clearly guard. that's not the case. Uh, you you will rarely see the point guard being the leader of a team. I think. I think the leader of a team is the guy who works the hardest, and uh, Kobe Bryant's not. A point guard, but he does have the ball for. Most he of the does, time but he's not hands. the point guard, right? Right. I, I mean, so uh, that's the thing, right? I mean, a lot of teams, it doesn't matter in a basketball. That's one of the greatest things. And what's funny is that the point guard is usually never the leader of the team. I can only think of just a few situations. Maybe Isaiah Thomas, maybe Magic Johnson, maybe those guys as point guards. And and by the way, Magic Definitely was a Magic unique. And Isaiah. Maybe Magic Johnson was unique as a point guard because he was also like 6'8", and that's pretty rare even today to see a point guard that big. Steve but, Nash. But, uh, okay, yeah, maybe Steve Nash. But, like, think about, like, uh, guys like uh, – Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was Tim, not a point guard. Tim Duncan. Yeah, Tim Duncan was not a point Shaquille guard. Shaquille O'Neal. Exactly. So, like, and, but, so, like, when I want to look at our team right now, look at the Nuggets, I see a guy like uh, Dino Gallinari. I see him, okay, whatever. He seems pretty happy with the situation, as he should be, right? Yeah. Doesn't have a lot to prove. Um, there's really no true leader on this team. Uh, Nene, thank God, he's gone. I mean, he wasn't a leader. That's the, the problem. The last real leader we had was Chauncey, yeah. um, and he's gone. Um, but then I, when I watch the games, and I think the only guy I see out there is Kenneth Fareed, who actually looks like he's trying as hard as he can. Yeah. And But what does that mean? Because I remember Chris Anderson doing that. Four or five years ago, going out there and flying and jumping and diving on the floor and getting rebounds. But he and all was that never stuff. a capable starter that could play thirty minutes a night. Right, so is so a little so, different. But so where does Kenneth Fareed stand? You know, you were just saying uh, George Carl ought to be tightening up his rotation. Guys should be learning their roles. Where does Kenneth Fareed stand in this? Is this guy a legitimate leader? Is he a possible leader? Is he just another one of these crazy guys with dreadlocks that the Nuggets fans love so much? I love that, man. That's that's a great point of view to look at, you know, the hardest worker, obviously Kenneth Fareed, being somebody that should be a leader on the team, as, you know, as well as probably Aaron Aflalo, who's a very hard worker, but 
doesn't really seem to have a dominant personality, but Fareed does seem like somebody that could have a dominant personality. Like he, he does kind of seem, I don't know, like he could, like he could probably do that. And Ty Lawson, you're right. I mean, his, his personality, I don't think dictates that. I, I just see like offenses usually at some point, whether it's the coach that does it or the player that demands it, like the offenses mold around certain guys that end up being the leaders. Right. And with Ty Lawson, he has played well in games this year. And those, those games where he does play really well, the team does really well. So it seems like he should be the leader of the team, but he's not really willing to take on that role 100% of the time. And, and I don't even think he's capable. So the question is, who does the who do the Nuggets? Like, the Nuggets to me look like a team full of a lot of talent, young talent, great guys. They almost look like a, a farm team for another team that actually has that and a lot of nights they look leadership like leadership infrastructure. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and they look like a team that was just put together like that day, like at the gym. You yeah, know? And you're like, hey, yes. the first five to make free throws, you're on the team, and then that's <laughs> your, you know, and that's the team. That is so funny. I, I, yeah, that's a very good point. That's how they look a lot. It's strange. So, like, uh, are the Nuggets going to go out? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. We'll see what happens. You know, with the team like this is, is honestly as young and energetic as they are, they could make a big push in the playoffs. They really could, if they somehow they were able to all get on the same page. I, I'd, I'd like to see that happen. I don't see it happen, but if that doesn't happen, which I don't think it will, will the Nuggets go out and acquire? Like, who are the Nugget? Who's the Nuggets? Peyton Manning. This offseason, who do the Nuggets have a chance? At? They have to get somebody, and in the in the NBA, you have to have a guy. And it's sad that we got rid of Chauncey Billups because he could have been that guy without Carmelo. But who is going to be that guy? All the buzz is surrounding. If you want an actual name, that's not just a rhetorical question. All the buzz is surrounding around Darren Williams. Yeah, that's where everything, and that's like such a small place to pin your hopes because everyone believes that he's either going to stay in New Jersey, where Dwight Howard may join him a year later since he opted into his contract in Orlando or that Darren Williams is going to go home and go play for Dallas. And my big theory about why he won't go play for Dallas is because Dallas is old as hell. Jason Terry's in his thirties. Jason Terry's in the same draft class as Andre Miller. And then you have, uh, <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. so that's that, a good that's point. That's I, I didn't believe, realize that. And then the next season, the next draft class was Dirk Nowinski's. So 98 was Jason Terry. 99 was Dirk Nowinski. So these guys aren't – it's not like Darren Williams is going to be like, I could go there and win three championships. He could go there and have one or two runs, serious runs with Dirk. And then after that, maybe Dwight Howard goes there. But I think that the, I think the Nuggets have a legit shot to at least sit down and have a serious conversation with Darren Williams. Whether people like him, his game, and his personality is a completely different story. Well, here's going to be the deciding factor on whether or not the Nuggets can ever actually get a guy like that to come here. There has been some success in the past bringing in guys like that. We've never had I don't think anybody as big as him as a free agent decide to come here. Like Kenya Martin, not really. He wasn't ever like a huge star like that, like a, not a game changer, you know? Came from New Jersey, so, you know. Yeah. Um I think Kenya Martin super, certainly was a superstar, but it was a situation where they could just pay him a lot of money. We had Carmelo Anthony coming in that same year. Is that right, or was that before? He was already on the team. Yeah, right. Melo so, was already here. So, like, the, it's easy to do that. It's easy to say we have the best team. 
what's going to be the big difference is going to have it's going to come down to Josh Cronky, Cronky and Masai Ujiri's ability to pitch it, to sell it, to say, "Listen, you're already rich, you're already successful. We can pay you comparable money, but they have a very bad track record recently." I don't care what kind of judgment you have on Carmelo Anthony or Chauncey Billups or J.R. Smith or Kenyon Martin or all these guys or Nene who have left this. You have judgment on these guys and on who they really were. We all witnessed it. But that leaves a very bad taste in other players' perception of what Denver actually is as a franchise. Yeah. And Denver Nuggets as a franchise from the management, from the ownership, is not that great. And there's going to be a lot of people saying, I could go play for Mark Cuban. I could go play for a better franchise. Yeah, Mark Cuban, proven track record of doing yes. breaking his neck to make a good team. So that's what it's going to come down to, is if these guys can reverse that. And otherwise, we're just another you know Cleveland Cavalier team out here blowing in the wind in Denver and some cow town, and nobody's going to ever want to come play for us. And then you kind of set up yourself. If you do make a real run at Darren Williams, then you kind of have that you know, Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow situation where you have Ty Lawson here that's saying, where's my contract extension? And is he even going to want to stay here if the Nuggets make a big push for Darren Williams? So that's, that's an interesting thing to, to think about as well. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I mean, that's one of the main issues with most Colorado teams here, except for the Broncos, you know, the yeah. Rockies are in that boat, right? I mean, the yeah. way they treated Baldo on the way out, right? I mean, every year. all of it. And, and it's it's one of those things where like we all love our teams, but it's time to like step take a step back and realize you know what, let's just like set it aside and say you know what we're not going to be the best fans in the world if that's going to mean us being these suckers every year, trying to make a team that isn't what it, we want it to be and like trying like lie to ourselves about how great it is because the Nuggets are most certainly not a great team or even a good team at this point. They're as good as all the other teams that are competing for that fourth to 10th spot yeah. in, the, in the West. So I don't want to root for that kind of team. I want to root for a team that's actually competing. And otherwise we're just going to be that same token eighth or seventh seed that just gets, you know, you just throw out there, just throw them out there in the first round and yeah. then they're done. And then we'll move on to watch some other teams. Playoff fodder. You don't get a good draft pick. You're just kind of stuck yeah. in mediocrity. Yeah. And by the way, it's no big feat to get to the playoffs in the NBA. No, half the teams make it. Exactly. Exactly. It, that, that is not, <laughs> it's never been a big feat to make it. And the More fact than that, half, I believe. 16 make it, and then... Uh, oh, yeah, there's 32 teams, so yeah, half. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's never been a big deal, ever. No. And uh, same with hockey, and uh, even now with, with baseball, with the wild card, right? I mean, even that's not... It's a bigger feat to make it to the playoffs in baseball, certainly, but... Like it's like let's stop rooting for these teams and supporting these guys and supporting these coaches and his managements and and let's just say you know what we want a better team and we want a better product and let's just admit that the Cronkies have not done us well at all when it comes to the Nuggets and uh, I don't know that's that's just my call not yours yeah say so they've done us okay <laughs> you know I mean that the teams that they did put around Mello whatever I mean they they made a serious run like one year spent a lot of money didn't work so now they're trying and a that's completely different strategy 
That's what they. So, that's all they thought they needed to do. And, just and throw money you on don't. a problem. That doesn't always work. Thank God for John Elway because he so knows there's more than that. Yeah. So now they're doing something different. We'll see what happens. Again, 16 teams make it. 14 teams do not make it. The NBA only with uh, 30 teams. So oh, there's only 30. That's kind of scary. Oh wait, right? that's right. They contracted a couple. Yeah. Not long ago, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know what the hell happened. Something. Yeah, I think they got rid of a couple teams. Right? For sure. No, I don't think they've gotten rid of any. They've added. They never had 32? They added Toronto and Vancouver. Vancouver moved to Memphis. Uh, Charlotte at one time folded, but they started back up again for God knows why. Or I guess Charlotte moved to New Orleans, and then they gave them an expansion again because, hey, if it wasn't working the first time, maybe a second time will. Seattle moved to Oklahoma City. So, yeah, they've just they've all stayed around. And so added it's just some. been 30? Yeah, uh, I 30. thought they could, maybe they contract a couple teams. Yeah. All right, so more than half of the teams yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah, more than half, so not a huge <laughs> Well, the feat. Nuggets are battling for that eighth seed, so that's a good sign. All right, yeah. enough of that. Um, and we'll see. And you know what? It always can be fun, as we saw last season with the Broncos. Anything can happen to make a team that you thought was dismal turn out to be a lot, very exciting. And it just so happens the Nuggets have another 16 games, so we'll see, right? Yeah, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll see who gets healthy. We'll see blah, 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 so. All right, so uh, we were going to – all right, so we're like what? All right, we're an hour in. About. We're going to talk about the Broncos' free agent pickups. And I know you're very excited about this. This is kind of, this is kind of like – it's like our top five list is inspired by CSU. Yes, it is. And, it uh, is. And uh, our whole entire discussion – around the Broncos free agent pickups is CSU related. So here's your chance. You're proud to be a CSU Ram. Here's your chance. (laughs) We brought in one of the most, (laughs) I think you could call him the most mediocre backup quarterback in the NFL. I think I heard a stat today that Caleb Haney during his four starts last season for the bears threw nine interceptions. So he was as good as the starting quarterback for the Bears last year? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, with Haney. Or better. Or better. Or better. Either one. Probably better. But the the Bears have an awful – one of my good friends is a huge Bears fan, and he's complained for years how they've done nothing to upgrade their offensive line. So Caleb Haney spent, you know, four games running and just throwing the ball and trying not to get killed back there. So who knows if he uh, gets in a better situation, if he'd do any better. He was never very special at CSU. Didn't really – kind of a big recruit out of Texas that never really took the team very far or anywhere. Wait, Caleb Haney played – After Bradley Van Pelt. Yes, but then he played in Texas? No, he played high school ball in oh, Texas. Oh, okay. He was a big recruit out of Texas that was, you know, yeah, highly touted, as they say. So uh, Caleb Haney's not a he's Bradley a backup Van Pelt type guy. I mean, he's much bigger, right? Uh, was he like six three. Van Pelt was Van Pelt was like what five six five four. <laughs> I don't know. He looked but pretty tall. When he was out there running on CU, <laughs> spiking balls off your head. <laughs> yeah, he was classy too. Let me tell you, Bradley Van Pelt. <laughs> Never mind. Amazing say, player. I was gonna say something. Amazing soccer player. Now it violated our uh, family uh, friendly format. Caleb Haney's dimensions. <laughs> Not listed on ESPN.com. Back. I think he's he's a, he's a bigger guy. I think he's around 6'3", 225, I think. <laughs> That's your guess? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he's been in the NFL for like four, five, six years, right? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he's played on a lot of different NFL teams. I think he's, he's just played for the Bears. 
No. Yeah. Just no. Letters. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. He goes 6'2", 222. All right. What did I say? 6'3", 225? Yeah, All you're right. right on the dot. And uh, by the way, uh, not on the dot, but close. But no, no. He's played for more than the Bears. Uh, nope. Three. Uh, he's been in the league since 2009. Three seasons with the Bears. Wow. My bad. I believe they drafted him. My bad. But, I mean, he's not hes not a guy that it's like he's going to learn from Peyton Manning and eventually he'll be the starting quarterback. Like, he was signed to be a backup. He will be the backup until something better comes along. Oh, well, he most certainly won't be the backup when it comes to the first game of the season. He won't be? He will not, no. Who are you going with, Mike Weber? No, I mean, we don't have him yet. We don't have who? who whoever that backup quarterback is going to be. We don't have him yet. He's probably going to be a, a guy we get in the draft. Okay. You don't think Haney's going to be the backup? No, nah, I mean, we're going to draft a quarterback, cultivate him to be Manning's replacement in four or five years. But, like Steve Young? Yeah, but that'll be, he'll be third string. I mean, Pey- Oh, yeah, Caleb Haney will be Haney third be, string. No, Haney will be second string all season next year. Has to be. All right, let's make a, let's, I'm going to make a note of this real quick. Nate Timmons says. Caleb will be number two on Caleb depth chart all season. <laughs> Number two. Who cares who uh, number two is? Peyton Manning's not going to be. I don't know game. who cares. I'm just saying he's not going to be, but you're right. But uh, but that's cool. Good, How are we going to settle him. this bet? Who is standing next to John Fox with a clipboard and headset? There, there is a depth chart. They release it every week. We will see that, and that's how we will know. Okay. Sounds okay. good. I feel like fighting all of a sudden. <laughs> what Over Caleb Joel Dreesen? Joel Joel, is that the guy? Uh, he played for CSU. Yes. And did he also kill Natalie Holloway? I think he did, yes. Okay. But I don't know about him. They signed Jacob Tammy, who played with Peyton in Indianapolis, and then they signed Dreesen. I was kind of happy to see that versus, like, there was all that talk about bringing in Dallas Clark, you know? And I'm like, Dallas Clark is old and injured. I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. I just got excited. Yeah. The discussion about... Dallas Clark being one of like the big coups after Peyton Manning as like who would ever want Dallas Clark? I'm sorry. Like, okay. He had a few good seasons playing on Peyton Manning's offense, but Dallas Clark he was never dynamic. Not, no, he was like, absolutely. he went up the seam and would catch a pass. Cause he'd be wide open for some reason. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Dallas Clark was not a great, he's not an end. Antonio Gates. He's not a, <laughs> oh, who's that? Jimmy Smith for the saints. Yeah, no, I mean, Jimmy Graham. I'm sorry. He's definitely not one of, of that caliber, but no. like, even as just like a, he's more like a fullback who would go out onto the tight end and yeah. make a lot of blocks. And then, uh, you know, Peyton Manning will pass the seven, eight, receivers in the game yeah if you, you gave him I mean? a talented tight end he'd probably be dangerous yeah and dallas clark would be cool but this is you know three or four years past when he was any good and i thought the broncos did a good job of bringing in a couple guys that are you know joel dreesen showed some promise last year with the texans wait i thought it was joel vandersloot <laughs> i don't know what that even is so when you reference this to some african warlord again i was thinking, never mind okay I guess so. my joke about did Joel Dreesen kill Natalie Holloway was like totally like. Phew. I told you I don't watch news, man. I don't even know who Natalie Holloway is. Oh, some well, blonde no. hair in a Aruba. Chair. All right, show some respect, okay? Okay, sorry. Show some respect. All right, All right back to what you were saying. All right, so I, I was just happy to see that, that Denver did go a different route and brought in some guys that, at least in Dreesen's case, are younger. You know, to compete with, I believe it's Julian Thomas was a tight end that Denver drafted last year that was injured most of last season but has a lot of talent. 
tight end out of Portland State, same college as Antonio Gates. So it's good to see him bring in some younger guys. I was not very happy with the signing of Rache Caldwell at wide receiver. I think Denver needs to add some sort of veteran presence at wide out, but I'm not really sure who they can get. wish Jabbar Gaffney was still around. Really? You think they need a, a veteran? Man, I, I don't know. I just would – I don't know. Maybe. I wouldn't you just like to see like somebody that – I don't know. Somebody that Peyton's comfortable with. Who cares who he's comfortable with? He'll throw to whoever. Exactly. Guess, right? Demarius Thomas is going to be the number one wide receiver on this team next year. Eric Decker is going to turn into a guy that everybody thought he was last season. Uh, while I was sitting there <laughs> talking about how horrible he was, he now he's actually going to be good. Yeah. So we'll be fine. Oh, and then who do you use for your third? Just maybe one of those tight ends will be your third primary. Oh, they can go, get, one will be they can go get whoever. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, there's more glaring problems with this team, um, and uh, and it's not even glaring. It's just like there's more uh, important problems with the team. Get a couple more defensive linemen. Get you know a couple more offensive linemen. Uh, you know, and then we're gonna be fine. I mean, honestly, the Broncos are gonna be fine. Yeah, I'd like to see them for sure. Get some. They need some D tackles. That Broderick Bunkley signed somewhere else. I think with the Saints or something. And then uh, I was just talking to Adam after that show on. Uh, Denver Sports Nation. You mean They're, Adam Kinney from uh, Denver Sports Nation? Yes. Denver Sports Station 1023 ESPN. And he was telling me that Marcus Thomas remains a free agent, remains unsigned. So I'd like to see Denver bring him back. I always liked him. I love the fact that he doesn't wear gloves on the D-line. He goes barehanded. That's always pretty cool. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. yeah. That's one tough SOB. All right, so. So that's Broncos for this week, I guess. That's, that's pretty much it. All right, and we're about to get into our top five list, but um, – it occurred to me as we were sitting in the studios over there on Sunday, the not the CSG studios, the ESPN local studios. Yes. A lot of people still seem to like the Avalanche. Not they, sure any of our listeners do. Yeah, they do, man. There's <laughs> maybe, a lot of Av stock out there. Maybe they were listening waiting to, be had. to that show as their last vestige of hope that people cared about. Avalanche playoff hunt. I don't know what's going on. I honestly don't. You had said something in your weekend review about them being well, they have, close. They only have like four games or something. Yeah, there's only four games left. I don't know how. I don't know if it's because of tiebreakers or what. But they have 86 points, and I believe the eighth place team has 87. So with four games left, you know why couldn't they leapfrog one point? Yeah, I think you get three for a win or something like that. Two or three. I think you get uh, two, and then you get one for a. Overtime loss. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> Which is fun. Yeah, I don't understand the points. It's like, why are we even playing games then if we're not going off record? It's because hockey's stupid. <laughs> it's dumb. And, and, and you know, know, The I'm point not, saying is I'm not maddening. saying the sport is a bad sport. I'm not saying the sport of hockey is bad. I'm just saying that they are the absolute... When, you, when NASCAR is the number one sport in the country... You know what I mean? Like, And then you have hockey on the complete opposite side of the spectrum... You know hockey has a problem when both fans of hockey and fans of NASCAR have pretty much the same haircut, right? It's like, <laughs> why can't hockey, a mullet oh, no. fan sport, and NASCAR, a mullet fan sport, not figure this out? What are they doing? Like, you get points for losses well, dude, if it's an overtime? Watch I mean, this. Is this is stupid. This is funny. So, What am I watching? Under the win column, the Avalanche have 40 wins, and they're in 10th place, right? Somehow the 8th place, 8th? Place team has 37 wins, ninth place 37, 11th place 35. The Avs have 40. 
Why are they not in eighth place? They have 40 victories. That makes no sense. I don't know. Maybe I just don't read it. And then overtime losses, the Avalanche have six of those. I don't know. You should not be awarded for a loss. I don't care if it's overtime or it's <laughs> yeah. like. But oh, you went to overtime. You and get one point. Thing, and the other thing with hockey, and here's the deal. And this is the biggest. This is the biggest problem with hockey is that its fans are some of the most arrogant fans ever to appreciate a sport. <laughs> there is Even a lot golf of is more welcoming. You know what I mean? Like when I first started golfing, I'd never been on a golf soccer course. Soccer fans are pretty bad too. Uh, well, soccer is not even in the discussion. But like when I when I first started golfing, I went out and I was uh, with my buddy, right? And we were out there as a two twosome, and then they were like, you know, they tell they put you with another twosome, right? Because they gotta keep the thing going, right? So they put you up, and I was like scared out of my mind. I was scared. I'm like, oh my god, golf is the most pretentious sport, full of a bunch of douchebags ever. And then I get up there, and what do I meet? A bunch of down earth guys just out there swinging the sticks. Who, my first time golfing, they weren't even that much better then. Yet, when you go and try and watch a hockey game in the stadium or like in a hockey gathering, these people will not let you even make anything you say. They'll be like, well, well, you just don't understand hockey. You just don't even know. Like hockey. It's like they're the most elitist of them all. Like they're very difficult. They're a hard group to get into, and it's a hard sport to watch because of that. And so I, don't, I have no sympathy. I, I, people complain all the time, especially hockey fans. They complain all the time about the coverage and how much little people talk about it. It's like, well, first of all, if your fan base wasn't the largest group of douchebags in the world, then maybe I would actually care. And a hockey bit. players are supposed to be so nice too. You know, everybody's like, those nice. are the, those are the greatest athletes in the world. These hockey players are nice, accessible, and then their fans are jerks. Uh, and the funny, the funny thing about the whole situation is this point system. I can't get over the point it's system. Stupid. It's so it's stupid. stupid. Can you imagine? They have 40 wins, and they're in ninth place, and Can teams ahead of them have 37. Oh, God. Maybe they have overtime wins. I don't know where those are calculated, but I don't know why you get a point for going to overtime and then it's losing. Dumb. And then they it's have like Nuggets are going to give you half a game victory for going to overtime and losing by 10 points to the Thunder. Yeah, and then they have conversations oh, about like the trajectory of hockey. And they're like, well, the problem is there's too many fans who just want to come and watch it because of the fist fights. It's like, that's not a true hockey fan. That's all I and then And then the hockey fans are like, what? You want to take fighting out of hockey? That's a part of the game. And it's like, which is it? Yeah, which is it? It's like, just stop it. Just like, stop being a douche. Okay, so four games left. The Avs may or may not make the playoffs. Hockey fans, you guys are jerks. Ross will fight you if you... <laughs> <laughs> Ross will fist fight any of you. And that's the other thing is uh, I will never fight a hockey player. Ross won't fight but a hockey player. I will fight a hockey fan. But he will fight, a, will hockey fight fan. a hockey fan. So you heard it here first. Abs may, may not make the playoffs. Four games left. Ross Martin willing to throw down with anybody <laughs> that likes hockey but's never put on skates. <laughs> All right, man. Did I mention that Ross Martin's not my real name? Yeah. It's real Ro- name. It's Ross Jackson. Cody Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> My wasn't, dad's the coach, guys. Wasn't that, My dad's the coach. I think that was the five foot four inch quarterback that you're thinking of <laughs> a safe and a go. Cody Hawkins sucked. And he got the freaking job because his dad was the coach. Nepotism <laughs> at its best. So, anyway, let's let's move out of this crazy hockey talk, continue on with this college talk in our in our next segment. <laughs> That we'll be featuring our top five list. Ross, what is that five? Top, top five? 
<clears throat> Top five punishments for college coaches who do not fulfill their contracts. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's get into that after a short break. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that, buddy. Boom. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Turk calling from NYC. Um, just want to chat with you guys a little bit about the Broncos. Wanted to get your guys' opinion on a couple things. I'm out here in New York. I know the whole Tebow thing is out here now. Uh, one thing is, you know, we got Manning. There's nothing that can beat that. All the Tebow guys that are out there saying that Tebow's number one, um, obviously he's not. You know, completes less than 50% of his passes. Uh, can't really run an offense. We got the right guy. And, you know, it's just, it would, it would be awesome if we could keep him on the team as a backup, but I think the biggest detriment to his success is his fans, you know? you got all these people that are just, like, going crazy to try to get him in, and I think that's what hurt Orton. I'm not, like, saying Orton was a great quarterback or anything, but, you know, like, he wilted under that pressure, and I think Sanchez is going to wilt under that pressure in New York, too. And, you know, Jets fans are going nuts here, but I think these guys, when they get Tebow, it's not going to be all uh, all great like it was last year for us, you know. We got a lot of uh, great things that happened to us. Uh, a lot of things went our way. I mean, it was an awesome ride. I would never change that for anything. I was along for the ride. I was on the Tebow bandwagon. But now that he's gone, you know, I mean, we have a real quarterback now. And we don't have to pin our hopes on that every week like we were doing last year. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, it was amazing. And I had a blast. And I was Tebowing all over NYC last year. But, of course, we got Manning. We got the better deal out of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to next year. It's going to be great being a Broncos fan in New York. So just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. And uh, hope all is well, guys. Later. Welcome back to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Top Turk. Five. want to thank the Turk for that phone call. Uh, you know, NYC. Tebow's gone. He's New York's problem. We got Manning. That's that's all we need to talk about there. Yeah, sorry, uh, Turk. Uh, we answered your questions earlier in the show. Yes, we did. Did you have questions? I don't know. Sure. All right, man. Moving on to our top five of the week. And we're going to be doing the top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts inspired by one Tim Miles. Who was that? The CSU basketball coach who decided to bolt his team that he took to the tournament, he has them all coming back. He's got two transfers as well. He decides, I'm going to go to greener pastures. And you know where those greener pastures are? Where? Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm going to go coach the Cornhuskers basketball team because they're in the Big Ten and they're going to give me a boatload of money. the Big Ten! the Big Ten! You know, the funny part about that is, is Tim Miles is going to go to the athletic department at some point. He's going to say, we need the basketball court to be refinished. It's starting to splinter, so what are we going to do? And the AD is going to look at him and go, who in the hell are you, and what is basketball? It's Tom Miles. We need a third pair of cleats for our football team. Get out of here. Get out of my office. Oh, you think you made the bad choice is what you're saying. 
When was the last time Nebraska and, basketball did anything? And he deserves to be punished. Yes. Yes. Well, he left. It's another reason the NCAA allows, you know, they don't allow players to work. They don't allow players basically any kind of freedom. If they want to transfer schools, they have to sit out a season. But coaches, they can do whatever the heck they want. They can up and leave their programs whenever they whenever they choose, and they can come and go as they please. All right. Yeah. So this top five list, we're going to be punishing these coaches who don't fulfill their contracts and who do leave early. Top five list, number five. I'm going to kick this one off, Ross. You just sit back and relax. Okay, good. Thank God. All right. Number five. I want, to, I want these coaches to be put in the middle of their old campus into stocks for 21 days. Of course, stocks, the little uh, wooden you know, wooden thing where you put your head in there, your arms are in there, and then they lock them. So you're yeah, locked in there yeah. for 21 people days. People throw lettuce and uh, tomatoes. Yeah. And, and I, I yeah. chose 21 Very days. Very medieval. Very medieval. I chose 21 days because that's an age that most people turn when they're in college, and it's probably the best age of all time in college, so why not? And, you know, these coaches are going to have to they're gonna have to eat, drink, whatever these college kids feed them. They're going to be depending on them for three weeks. Kids can also throw and basically do whatever they want to these coaches because these coaches are leaving them high and dry, so let them have it, kids. Oh, that's fantastic. Run wild. That's my number five punishment for college coaches Tom who don't Miles. fulfill their contract. Have fun at Fort Collins for 21 days next fall. Yeah, Tom, Tim, whatever your name is. Have it fun. Tim? Tim Miles, have fun. Tim Miles. You're going to be putting stocks in those those wild kids up there in Foucault going to go crazy on you. I wrote down Tom. Why did, is this, you have a brother? Yeah, his brother Tom, not a successful <laughs> coach. He's actually coaching at uh, Heritage High School where they, they're not, not doing as well. But, Wait, is that true? Um, could be. It's true in my world. <laughs> Number five, the stocks. That's a good. That's a good one. Like number that. five, Ross Martin. What you got? All right, number five. All right, so uh, this is uh, two thousand and five, December. There was a coach that uh, signed on to coach uh, the Buffaloes. We all may remember him as Dan Hawkins, Danny Boy. So here's a punishment. Why don't we punish a guy like Dan Hawkins? For uh, leaving Boise State and have his old team continue the success while he comes in and fruitlessly and frivolously and uh, without any competence whatsoever, try and coach a real team. (laughs) Um, That should be the punishment is knowing that whatever you did beforehand probably had nothing to do with you. And uh, that realization should be the punishment for a coach. Yes. And that coach of uh, fleeing a team. Like Boise State and coming in to a team like a real, real program like the Buffs, let's have him. Let's have him go and fail and have everybody realize that he is completely incompetent, and that should be the punishment. Because that actually happened. That that that, that did happen. (laughs) I love it, man. Perfect. Yeah, it really looks like CU probably should have hired that guy that's still at Boise State right now. Well, you know what? I, I think uh, the team uh, is uh, better off now. They probably shouldn't uh, mess around with these, uh, you know, teams like Boise State or or whatever. And or just, a guy that's willing to they get should just to go a, and get a, a coach that uh, somewhere else. Yeah, and maybe not bring in a coach who's willing to get into a space uniform and then perform an interview on a local channel <laughs> and look like a Teletubby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you you're you're referencing there. Caught an interview of Hawkins where he was in a spacesuit, 
It's the big twelve with everything but the uh, helmet on, and he looked like a Teletubby. It was oh, fantastic. Goodness. It was great. Goodness. All right, man. We're rolling through our top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts. Inspired by one Tim Miles from CSU. My number four. I want these coaches to be administered eighteen bullwhips from a dungeon master, and Ross Martin knows exactly <laughs> where to find said dungeon master. So that's my number four. <laughs> How do I know? I don't know, because you have all those piercings and <laughs> wear leather all the time. You're a weird guy, man. So you find the Dungeon Master, administer these coaches 18 bullwhips. If they survive, then they can go on coaching. All right. Yeah, that works. That is my number four for our top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts. Number four, Ross Martin, what you got over there? I think that um, – oh, excuse me. Bump my mic. All right, I think a really good punishment for a coach who uh, gets out of a contract and leaves, like uh, let's say a coach goes from uh, their, you know, storied program in college and uh, leaps to the NBA, right? Happens I mean, a lot. I mean, I, I, th- I think that's a pretty, you know, I mean, I, that's something that we could all like uh, kind of, I don't know. I think that's something we could all like uh, get on board, right? Like you would do that, right? Like if you were a great coach and you wanted to go and then coach from college and then go into the NBA, like I think that like you could expect that to be a pretty solid move, right? Um, depends on what the punishment would be. Well, the punishment would be this. Let's just say that you're the head coach of Kentucky for, I don't know, like over 10 years and uh, you had a very – very fun or very good record there. And then you decided that you were going to go and say, coach, I don't know, the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And then maybe later uh, your punishment should be the fact when uh, you fail at that and go back to another school within the same state that uh, some female from your past comes out (laughs) and uh, is like, wait, 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 Rick Pitino. Didn't you, like, uh, impregnate me or something? Like, was that it? In a restaurant <laughs> in like after a, hours? In, like, an outback steakhouse? <laughs> <laughs> the steak's a little salty. That woman's pregnant. What's happening in here? <laughs> that should be your punishment, is that, like, all that time you spent, you know, at uh, University of Kentucky, or KU, I guess. Wait, no, UK? I don't know. Just Kentucky, I think. Kentucky? Yeah. KU would be Kansas. UK, yeah. All that time you spent there having your way with women. I want some beans on my eggs. (laughs) (laughs) No, they have. They put uh, what they do in Kentucky is they take a scrambled or a fried egg and they put it on like a piece of toast and then they put some turkey over the top of that and then they uh, put some like hollandaise sauce or something like that. That's what they do there. Yeah, no beans. But uh, I think that uh, after spending all those years having your way with all those uh, women when you were the head coach of Kentucky. And uh, on your way down, when you're at Louisville, Louisville, that uh, you catch a little case. You catch a little. Maybe they want to extort some money out of you. Want a and, little cash? Uh, maybe everybody figures out that uh, maybe you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> I think that really happened. <laughs> Did it? Surprisingly, yeah. That should be your punishment, crazy. <laughs> All right, we're still rolling on our top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts, inspired by one Tim Hold Miles. on. On August 11th, Patino admitted to having engaged in sexual relations with Cunnigan, some broad, on August 1st, 2003, in a Louisville restaurant, Porcini's. 
Pochini's. It's a good it was, place to get I thought it was the Outback. No. I thought it was the Outback. No, it was definitely Or the Pochini's. Sizzler or something. <laughs> Sizzler. Country buffet. All right. Continuing on. Top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts. My number three, coach has to coach his new school for free. So all, ah. these, all these guys, are they really going to want to go jump to a bigger program if they're going to have to, you know, coach for free until their contract's up with their old school? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they should. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like pretty pretty fair deal to me. You know, your players aren't making money. Why should you be making any money? That is the problem, right, with the entire NCAA Division One setup is that coaches make a couple million dollars. Yeah. And then the players can't even have a side job. No. And they they can't afford anything. Yeah, except then they're driving around like fancy cars and stuff, and you're like, how are they affording this stuff? Well, that's hmm. the thing is they should be allowed to drive fancy cars. They should. They're fucking... <laughs> they're paying the bills. <laughs> yeah, they really are. All right, man. <laughs> you're on. Number three, top five punishment for college coaches don't fulfill their contracts. What you got, Ross Martin? All right, so... Every once in a while, you get a situation where a guy grows, becomes uh, who he is in a certain within a certain program, right? Um, North Carolina is a really, really, really big program. Big time. Guys have left there, right, and gone on to be coaching uh, other programs. Everybody does it. And uh, I think a good punishment for a guy that does that Right. So uh, let's think of a situation, right? So I mentioned North Carolina. What if a guy went from North Carolina and then went to go and coach, I don't know, Kansas? Right? You see what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah, then I mean, did he go from Kansas back to North Carolina at some point? No, no. I mean, uh, he coached uh, Kansas. This is uh, He coached Kansas from 1988 to 2003. Right, and then he left Kansas to go back to North Carolina. So yeah, he was just after a certain other head coach left. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was like an assistant at North Carolina, and then went to Kansas, established himself. Yeah, became one of the best coaches. I mean, and hypothetically, and then just all of a sudden decides, hey, I, uh, I want to take this program that I built and just leave town. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So I'm thinking a really good punishment for that situation is not for the coach, but it's for Kansas. Ooh. Watching Roy Williams win a national championship not at your school. So you're punishing Kansas Yes. Here. Okay, that's fair. Anytime you punish Kansas, I am on board. They deserve it. They do. I hate Kansas. <laughs> and, uh, I think I believe that uh, Roy Williams has won two since he left Kansas, and Kansas. I so. I'm not sure uh, has Kansas won anything ever. I believe they did win a title with one Mario Chalmers just Who a few years ago. Who is that? Plays point guard for the Miami Heat now. So when was that? Uh, in the 2000s, at some point. Oh wow! I believe Chalmers hit a three, and KU won a title. Yeah, I remember that. I think they beat a, like a Memphis or somebody that couldn't hit free throws, perhaps. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah. So big punishment, though, I think, would be watching your coach that you love so much and you berated for leaving and going back to his true roots, roots. 
and then watching him win two national championships. Maybe Kansas won one. I don't know. It's a weird punishment, but if it's against Kansas, I like it. So I'm in. I'm on board. I'm on board. What are you thinking about this uh, upcoming Final Four? Kansas is in it. How much do you hope that Kansas loses? (laughs) I kind of hope that they – well, yeah, I was going to say I hope they lose in the title game, but I think it would be more frustrating if they lose now. So lose now would be awesome. But we're still rolling here. Our top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts. They won in 2008, by the way. Kansas did. Nice. Good fact. Good fact. It's a great one. <laughs> top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their saying, contracts. I'm saying Roy Williams won in 2005. Oh, yeah. So that would be the punishment. You have to wait three years, and then you can win yours? Well, I'm just saying, you know, everybody was pretty up in arms about Roy Williams leaving Kansas, and they were like, well, how could you do this to us? We're Kansas. Yeah. We're the Jayhawks. <laughs> blah, 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 rock chuck. Nobody even knows what that means. So we're supposed to be punishing coaches, but here you want to punish the school. Well, you said you said uh, top five punishments for college is who do not have coaches who fulfill their contracts. Oh, yeah. That's just, that is what I said, huh? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. Rolling on. Number two, top five punishments for college coaches who don't fulfill their okay, contracts. So, all right. So top five punishments for college coaches who do not fulfill their contracts. All right. The guilt that Roy Williams had for winning a championship in 2005 after leaving Kansas, that's the punishment. You got to get over this whole Roy Williams in Kansas situation, man. I just hate Kansas. It's wearing on you. It's wearing on you. <laughs> My number two. Let's just go ahead and drop that coach in a Mississippi swamp full of alligators. If he makes it out, he can go ahead and coach that new team. If he don't, he don't. Doesn't matter. Wait, what? Drop him in a swamp full of alligators? Drop him in a Mississippi swamp full of alligators. If he makes it out, he can coach a new team. If he don't, he don't. (laughs) That sounds good. Is that a quote from a movie or something? It ain't. <laughs> well, in that case, it's cotton picking funny. <laughs> That's just what just what dang gun happens around these parts. You drop me in a swamp full of alligators, makes it out of the out. If you don't, you don't. Number two, what you got over there, Ross? <laughs> Can you just talk about that for a little bit? Because I'm uh, pretty intrigued. Well, I had a I had a weird dream last night uh, where I was. In a swamp like a, full of alligator? <laughs> pretty much. And if you don't, you don't. I was at uh I was in a like is it like a water world place? But the like the line to get through the rides was actually had to walk through like this zoo jungle area. <laughs> so I was going through like this uh I had to walk through all these like giant chimpanzees that were like six feet tall, which I've heard actually exist in uh remote parts in Africa, I believe. Uh so I was walking by these things, thinking they were going to attack me. Somehow I get by them, and then... And if you don't, you don't. <laughs> if I don't, I don't. And then I had to go through a uh, muddy river that was full of alligators. So, And then I finally got to the ride where I got to go down this stupid slide, but all I really wanted to do was get the hell out of there and go home. But I don't know, man. So that's where I came up with it. And I think that any coach that leaves should be dropped in a Mississippi swamp full of alligators. If he makes it out, he can coach a new team. You don't? I'm with you, I'm with you. Good for you. That's awesome. What's your number two, man? What's you got over there? Well, we already talked about uh, Roy Williams in Kansas. Oh, yeah, Rick Pitino, yes. Another thing, and, uh, you know, this has all been about basketball, but don't forget that sometimes this happens in football. 
football. Get out of here. So let's just say that you're like a really great coach for a school and you're kind of a douchebag and maybe you coach uh, Florida, right? Maybe you're known as like, I don't know, like an old ball coach or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bowl or ball? Old ball coach. Yeah. Um, maybe your punishment for leaving a storied program like the Florida Gators should be complete and utter failure in the NFL <laughs> for the Washington Redskins. Yes. Steve Spurrier, you son of a bitch. <laughs> nice try, bro. The old nice ball. try. I'm going to take my run gun, my system offense. I'm going <laughs> to throw the ball all over the field. Redskins are going to win probably 12 15 Super Bowls, somewhere in that area. <laughs> Maybe two, three. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, that's it, Steve Spurrier. You, that should be your uh, that should be your punishment, is uh, absolutely being embarrassed on the real level of coaching. Yeah, and then, and then to be shamefully welcomed back to South Carolina with open arms and getting a lifetime membership to a prestigious golf course, Augusta. Did he get that? Part of his contract was South Carolina. But Augusta's in Georgia. Yeah, he doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) He is a coaching whore. He does not care. (laughs) Moving on to our number one reasons. Our number one punishments, rather, for college coaches who don't fulfill their contracts. My number one reason. Reason. My number one punishment. Guillotine. (laughs) guillotine that coach decides to leave cut his fucking head off <laughs> ross what you got for number one <laughs> that's it you're just gonna execute him lights out man i mean what happens your head's gone it's gone it ain't coming back oh man i i didn't think we'd ever get to this point in our well there's probably going to be a lot less coaches leaving before their contract is up if they know that that is a punishment they're going to have to face. I mean, do you face that ultimate darkness? Well, I just, I'm just i just saying I didn't know we'd ever get into like capital punishment as a conversation here because personally I'm opposed to it. It's not really capital punishment. The it's guillotine? Just, it's kind of for funsies. All right, know? Robespierre. Nate, Nate Timmons Robespierre. Well, it's like, hey, Tim Miles, I mean, you're going to leave CSU I and go to Nebraska? I think it's Tom Miles. <laughs> Tom, the... Failed heritage coach that's drinking <laughs> half a bottle of whiskey before every game just to get through the pain of his failed career that never took off as a college coach that would have led him to the NBA where he would have drafted miserable lottery players and then had to go back to college somewhere and drinking himself into a stupor. Let no, me ask you this. I, I know you're bitter about it, but um, does Tom Miles, uh, does he have <laughs> any roots in Nebraska even? No. He always looked like a Nebraska guy. His, his roots are probably tied into the fact that they drove up in a Chevy Silverado with the bed filled with $100 bills. And then he said, that's all the roots I need. He dove in the back, probably naked, probably covered in mayonnaise, (laughs) and then rode to Lincoln in the back of that truck, rolling around, doing barrel rolls in the back of that truck. Mayoed up. Was he the most annoying guy ever to be interviewed? Wasn't he almost like the Tim Tebow of coaches when it came to the NCAA tournament? I, him just being there, even halftime of his team getting beat pretty bad, he's just like, 
well, we're just, you know, we got to keep motivating and we're just so happy to be here and just so excited. And wasn't, wasn't he like that type of guy? Just like uh, the most annoyingly sincere, uh, friendly guy that you can't trust because he's too sincere? You know, maybe. And if that's the case, maybe it's a good thing that he is gone. You, you should be happy he's gone. Yeah. Tom, All right. Tom Miles. Tom, Tim, whoever. Doesn't matter. The old Tommy. The old Tim. Old Timmy. Old Tommy. Timmy and Tommy. Yep. All right, man. You got number one reason over there? Did you finish your number one? Yes. The guillotine. That's it. All right. My number one. All right. My number one uh, punishment is disgrace. You should be disgraced. Disgraced. When you leave, and I've already mentioned a couple different situations like that. But there's one here that I uh, maybe not a head coach, but maybe you're uh, like a an assistant coach. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not oh. even an assistant coach. Maybe oh. you're a graduate assistant. Oh no! And uh, maybe you are just a little slimy weasel, and uh, you leave your school. Say I don't know Michigan State, like in you know, two thousand something like that. And then you go on and you become a little sycophant to a guy like Bill Belichick or something like that at the Patriots. And then maybe you just kind of weasel your way in like a slimy little snake that you are in the head coaching position in a real franchise like the Broncos. And maybe you're disgraced. 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 I didn't know that he coached at Michigan State. Well, like I said, maybe it's a, a graduate assistant position. <laughs> huh. But clearly I'm talking about Josh McDaniels. Blech. Blech. Maybe that little snaky, sleazy son of a bitch can crawl back into the hole from whence he came. <laughs> and, of course, he did. Yeah. New England. Well, he's disgraced. New England stinks. <laughs> Nobody likes them anyway. <laughs> Broncos seem to overrated. Broncos seem to beat them at pretty opportune times. At times, not last year. That was Tebow's magic running out. His magic juice didn't last that long. But yeah, that's my number one. It's your number one. My number one. The guillotine. We've heard some good ones. Disgrace, shame. Dan Hawkins was mentioned. I love it. Top five punishments for college coaches. Rick Pitino was mentioned. Rick Pitino was mentioned. We Tom also, Miles was mentioned. Tom Miles. We also realized that perhaps it was best to get Tom or Tim out of Fort Collins. The greatest disrespect that you can say about a guy like Tim Miles is to call him Tom Miles. That is correct. Okay. That's it, man. Show 34 wrapped up in a neat little package right there. Yeah, absolutely. Who Are we going to dedicate it to anybody or, or what? Show 34, let's dedicate it to ourselves. How about that? Like, like, uh, like you and me? Yes. Like Nate Timmons and Roscoe? Yeah, 34, man. If we live that long, we'll be proud. Oh, goodness gracious. We'll be old men. We'll have gray beards. We'll be in wheelchairs, and we'll tell stories about how great it was. <laughs> Until then, see you guys next week.